Well, amen. Good evening, everyone. And thank you for allowing me to be with you all today here at White Oak Baptist Church. It's been a pleasure already, just uh, not just today, but even yesterday as I got to meet some of the men. And uh, we went out there, uh, visitation, and just got to uh, fellowship one with another. And then meeting more of you today. And, and uh, just been a joy to be here. You know, it's, it's always a joy to go to a church that's alive. Amen. And has a good spirit and a, a heart to serve God and to see other people come to know about uh, God and, and uh, to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. I mean, because really, when we think about it, that's, that's what this is really all about, isn't it? Is that we have a desire, somebody told us, and uh, now, because we've received Christ as our Savior, and we've received all the joys and the benefits of, of uh, being a Christian and what comes along with that, now we are compelled by God's love to go out and tell other people. And, uh, and of course, we've been commanded and charged with that through the Great Commission to go and, and uh, to preach the gospel to every creature. And uh, so I'm thankful that uh, I'm at a church who knows that and believes that and has a heart for that. And so, uh, Pastor, Mr. Lazurne, thank you so much for having us here and also just your hospitality throughout these several days, putting up with all of our uh, six crazy kids. And uh, it's been, it's been a, a good time. You know, what I do, if you don't, sometimes I forget their names too. So it's just, you can just say, you know, Morgan, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. And that works pretty good. So. Uh, if you're having trouble, but it's, we have uh, three, I mean, let me see here. We have four of our six in here tonight, I believe. And uh, starting from the top, we have Sienna, Aiden, Callan, Aiden, Callan, right here. Sienna, Braden, he's on the floor, I think. And, uh, and then Kira and Grayson are, are back in a class there somewhere. And so uh, anyway, you'll probably see them run around. But thank you again for having us be here. Tonight, I want to uh, preach on anger. Amen? No, I'm just kidding. Not going to do that. And... Uh, wasn't that a blessing this morning? <clears throat> Amen? It's a good message, wasn't it? My wife really needed to hear that, and I'm just so thankful <laughs> Pastor took the time to share that. No, I needed it. Amen? We all need it. And I think, you know, we always ought to come to church when we hear a, 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 a getting ready to hear a message be preached with the, the attitude and the idea that, hey, when God's Word is going to be opened, there's something that I can get from it. And we may not, uh, we may not all get the same thing from it. God might use one part to speak to us differently than he uh, speaks to somebody else with a different part. But I believe we can all get something when the Bible is opened. And uh, God says he's chosen uh, you know, preaching and the foolish things of this world is to confound the wise. And you know that, that section of scripture. And, and it's so amazing how God will use preaching to bring conviction and uh, uh, bring us to a place where we make a decision for God in our lives. And so uh, I hope tonight that God will speak uh, to your heart as well as we look in the message here tonight. Let's go ahead and turn to the book of Mark, chapter number 14, if you will. <clears throat> book of Mark, chapter 14. And a uh, familiar portion of Scripture here, probably for most people. We see uh, Jesus as he's, he's uh, getting ready, he's wrapping up his earthly ministry here. He's, he's done the miracles, you know, he's, he's uh, healed the, uh, the, the sick and uh, gave sight to the blind and he's fed the multitudes and uh, turned the water to wine, all these different things while he was here on the earth. And now he is uh, facing the cross. He's on his way, he's kind of winding down that, uh, all that miracle uh, ministry and all that he did there and, and working his way towards that final part where he would be uh, killed for our sins on that cross. And as we come to this part, I, I just want to focus on uh, the story here tonight and how it can relate to our service and our surrender to Jesus Christ. If you're able to, if you stand as we read the scripture here tonight, Mark chapter number 14. 
Mark chapter 14, we'll go ahead and uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 9. We'll go ahead and read responsively as we did this morning. I'll start with verse number 1, and then we'll all come together and read on verse number 2 and so on and so forth. Mark chapter 14, verse number 1 says, After two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. All together? But they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, of spikenard, very precious. And she brake the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She is come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily, I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this time we can come to church, Lord, and just open up your word and uh, allow it to speak to our hearts, God. Lord, I pray that tonight as I preach this message, Lord, that uh, God, you would fill me with your spirit and that I would step out of the way and that, Lord, you would speak through me and speak to the hearts here tonight as, as you would desire to speak to them. Father, I pray that if there's somebody here tonight that is not sure if they were to die tonight, Lord, that they would spend eternity in heaven. God, I pray that before they leave this place tonight, that they would have an opportunity to ask somebody here. We can show them from the Bible how they can know for sure that they can go to heaven when they die. And Lord, I pray if there's someone here tonight that God is maybe struggling with a, a decision in their life, Lord, something that you've been working on their heart about. Maybe it's a, some area of surrendering in their life, God, and they're just not sure what to do. Lord, I pray that you might speak to their heart tonight and help them to make a decision by faith, trusting in you, Lord, that you will guide them and you will direct them. And not only that, God, you will uphold them through their decision. And uh, God, I pray that you would just use this time tonight for your glory and honor. We ask it all in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. This woman here in the story, we, we see how she comes to Jesus, they're at that feast, and they're all sitting down, and, and she comes, and she wants to bring something to Jesus. Uh, this woman, we don't know, uh, you know exactly how much money she may have had, but likely she was not a very rich, rich or wealthy person. She had something, though, that was worth a lot of money. We read later on there how, uh, when they talked about it, how they could, you know, she could have sold that ointment for 300 pence, and how uh, a pence is about a day's wage. So, you know, about a year's worth of wages is, is what's frequently uh, what I've read about it. And so, uh, regardless of exactly how much it was, it was a large, uh, worth a large sum of money, something that was very precious. And you can imagine this uh, ointment, I don't know if it was something that uh, she was saving so that she could be anointed with it when she died. You know, a lot of times back in Bible times, they didn't have all the modern technology that we had when, uh, with embalming and things like that. And so, you know, when people died as they were getting ready to bury them, 
Guess what happened is those bodies are sitting around for a few days. You know, they, they don't smell very good. So they put uh, herbs and different uh, uh, spices and things like that on them to help with that and to, to be more pleasant smelling. And so maybe she was saving this ointment for herself and to be that, that kind of that honor for her own self when she was to die. But whatever the case may be, it was something that was very precious and it was worth a lot of money. But yet she wanted to come and give it to Jesus. She wanted to make an offering to that one person in her life that meant so much to her that she was willing to give anything, willing to give the thing that was most precious to her, she wanted to render unto her Savior. You think about that, I can imagine before this time, but before she met Jesus, again, she may have inherited this thing or maybe she saved up money for many years and was able to buy this, but she was likely saving it for herself or for some other reason. But then she met Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing in your own life how uh, if you have been saved later in life, I was saved when I was about 20 years old, as I mentioned this morning. And, and uh, before that time, man, I had my goals. I had my, my trajectory of my life all planned out. Uh, not, not every single detail, but I, think, I thought I knew what I wanted to do. I had goals and, and, and dreams and aspirations. But then Jesus came along and he changed my life. You know, Jesus has a way of kind of messing things up, right? And not for, not for bad, but for good, amen? This woman, she met Jesus Christ and things were never, ever the same again. She wanted to give an offering unto Jesus Christ. We are all in our life. We were all faced with a moment in our life when we had to make a decision to when we met, when we came face to face with the reality of Jesus Christ and salvation and that we were a sinner bound for a Christless hell and that Jesus Christ paid the price, ultimate price with his life for our sins For our sakes, we have the decision whether we are going to accept that by faith or to reject it and try to do it on our own. I praise the Lord. I made a decision when I was about 20 years old to accept his free gift of salvation. And my life was forever changed. I praise the Lord that he worked in my wife's heart and she accepted him as her savior. And then, as you heard this morning, uh, other people came to know about Jesus Christ. And we think about that in each and every one of our lives. As we go and we tell somebody else about Jesus Christ, we never know what effect that might have downstream. In fact, we may never even know about it until we get to heaven someday because, you know, we may go out soul winning or, or uh, you know, knock on a door or even just give out a track and we don't know what happens. Maybe they don't get saved right away. You know, it's wonderful. We heard some stories tonight of somebody who got saved right there. But, you know, there's sometimes, I'm sure you've had that experience where you go and you witness to somebody and they don't get saved. And it's like, man, I failed. No, it's not a failure. God's word, he says, will not return unto him void. And we never know the impact that we might have if we're just simply faithful in obeying God's command to share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. When somebody gets the gospel, we never know what might happen. Maybe they get saved and go on to do great things. But maybe they get saved later on and we never hear about it. But through the gospel being preached, lives are changed. And it can have a massive chain reaction down through the ages. I was talking to a pastor, I think, a couple nights ago about how the story of Edward Kimball that was a, a Sunday school teacher there in uh, 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 Chicago area, I believe it was, and he uh, had a young man come to his Sunday school class and he wanted to go visit him the next uh, week or whatever it was later that week and wanted to make sure that his students were uh, uh, saved and trusted Christ as their Savior. And so this young man was working at a shoe store and uh, he was, uh, I, I think, a young teenager at the time, something about that. And this, this uh, young Sunday school teacher was kind of nervous about it. From what I've been told, he kind of paced back and forth outside that shoe store and uh, he was a little bit nervous to go in and talk to his Sunday school student. But yet he finally worked up the courage and he went back there and he, and he asked the manager, he said, hey, I'm, I'm looking for this young man. Man, is he here? And uh, the manager of the store said, yeah, he's in the back uh, sacking the shoes or whatever it was. And 
He went back and he was able to lead that young man to Christ right there in that shoe store and he got saved. That young man's name was Dwight L. Moody. And if you know the story, D.L. Moody had just a massive ministry that impacted thousands upon thousands of people to come to accept Christ as their Savior. So we never know what might happen as a result of us just being faithful to give out the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we're all faced with that decision. This woman, I believe, she made a decision, obviously, to accept Christ as her Savior. And now, in her life, Jesus Christ had become so important to her that she wanted to give him her best. In our life, is that our attitude with Jesus Christ, that we would desire to give him our very best? That we would desire to give him whatever is most precious to us, not willing that we would hold anything back, but we would completely give anything that he might want in our life? Or are we holding it back a little bit? There's a story of the American evangelist J. Wilbur Chapman, and he went to London, England, uh, back uh, to uh, you know a long time ago, back to talk to General William Booth. If you know William Booth, he was the founder of the Salvation Army, who uh, was a, just an incredible outreach there back in that time to reach the the poor and the the drunks on the streets of London, England, and just an uh, amazing ministry. I mean, it's still in in in, uh, in it's still alive today. It's it's you know it's shifted into more of a charity type of a thing, but uh, they still do go out and preach the gospel in different places. And and uh, but this man was greatly used of God to see many many souls come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And the evangelist, uh, J. Wilbur Chapman, went to go talk to General Booth, who was now 80 years old. And uh, he, he listened to all the stories of General Booth is, uh, about the trials and persecutions and also the victories that they had there with the Salvation Army. And then Dr. Chapman asked William Booth what the secret of his success was. And after hesitating for a second, some tears came down General Booth's eyes. And he said this. He said, I'll tell you the secret. God has had all there was of me. There have been men with greater brains than I. Men with greater opportunities. But from the day I got the poor of London on my heart and a vision of what Jesus Christ could do with the poor of London, I made up my mind that he would have all of William Booth there was. And if there is anything of power in the Salvation Army today, it is because God has had all the adoration of my heart, all the power of my will, and all the influence of my life. Dr. Chapman went away from that, realizing that the greatness of a man's power is in the measure of his surrender. When I say man, I mean man or woman. The measure of our surrender, meaning how willing are we to empty ourselves of our own selves and allow Jesus to take the place, allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. You know, you've heard it before where uh, when you get saved, you got all the Holy Spirit you were going to get. But being filled with the Spirit means, hey, saying, I am stepping out of the way and and the Holy Spirit is the one who's calling the shots. The Holy Spirit is the one that's guiding my life. And, and I am simply just saying yes, sir, to whatever the Holy Spirit directs in my life. I like in verse number 8 there of our text, Mark 14, verse 8. Jesus said, she hath done what she could. She hath done what she could. What an amazing thing for Jesus to say about somebody. You think about that. Can, can Jesus... Look at our lives. Can he look at my life and say, Brendan Morgan, he's done what he could. There's some people that have more money. There's some people that have more skills. There's some people that have uh, greater opportunities. But with what I've given Brendan Morgan, he has done what he could. With what I've given this Christian here tonight, they've done what they could. They're doing what they can do. You see, God is not looking 
for, uh, uh, you know, us to have the most whatever it might be. Oh, I had I got to see this many people saved in my life. Oh, I got to give this much money to the church. God's not interested in numbers. God just simply wants our heart. How much of our heart does he have tonight? Are we willing to give it all? We see tonight, number one there, this woman, she had a complete surrender. She had a complete surrender. Look with me at verse number three. It says, And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. We see that she held nothing back. It was not just a a partial surrender where she said, well, I want to honor my my Savior tonight, so I'm going to bring this very precious ointment, and I'm I'm going to give him just a little bit. I'm going to kind of open it up and, you know, just sprinkle some on him. And it's a great honor because it's such a, you know, a costly and precious ointment and I want to give it to him, but I'm going to hold back a little bit for my own self someday too. It wasn't just something where she came and did a service to him. And, you know, we think about in our lives, there's many times that we uh, just, we come and maybe we come to church and we do service and there's nothing wrong with that. We ought to serve the Lord. We come and maybe we, uh, uh, maybe we sweep the floor. Maybe we clean the bathroom. Maybe we make the coffee. Maybe we greet people and say hello. And those are all fantastic and we ought to do those things. But is that as far as it goes with us? This woman, it wasn't just some service that she was performing. It was a complete and total surrender of what was most precious to her in her life. Not only did she pour out that ointment, but notice what the Bible says, she broke the box. She didn't leave any possibility for coming back later on and saving any for herself. She completely gave all of what was most precious to her Savior. It was a complete surrender. Tonight in your own life, in my life, If we were to be honest with ourselves as we examine our own hearts, is there anything that we're not willing to completely surrender? Maybe it's a job. Maybe God has worked on your heart about something that he wants you to do, and yet you say, hey, if I did what God wants me to do, it would mean giving up this job, this career that I have been working on for so long. Maybe it's a family member or a friend, and if we would become more committed, more devoted in what God would want us to do, it might hurt that relationship. Now, I don't want anybody to get, uh, I don't want anybody's relationships to be ruined, but we know the Bible says that, hey, when we truly sell out for Jesus Christ, when we, when we truly become a disciple of Jesus Christ, it's going to cause division sometimes between friends, between family members. Jesus said, he who, who, does, he who doesn't, uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but doesn't hate his own mother and father and sister and brother cannot be my disciple. There comes a time when if we're going to follow Christ and somebody else is not on board with that, We're going to have to make a decision. Are we choosing that person or are we going to choose Jesus? Maybe it's a goal, some uh, dream that we have in our life. And we say, hey, I have a plan for my life. I'm going to do this. I've already worked it out. I've I've made the outline. I've I've come up with the the five-year mark and the ten-year mark. And I have a, a direction that I'm going. And if I were to change that, it would mean giving that up. May I just encourage you tonight if God has a perfect plan for your life, and, and I believe God has a perfect plan for each and every one of our lives. Do we all believe that here tonight? That the God of heaven that created this entire universe, who knows the number of hairs on our head, who loves us so much that he would send his son to die on a cross for our sins, he has a perfect plan for each and every one of our lives tonight. Did you know that 
anything other than that plan, anything that we might come up with that's different from his plan, is always going to fall short of him. Why would we want to settle for anything less than what God's best is for our life? We realize when God has called us into doing something, it might take some faith. Not, not, it may not make sense to us at the, at the outset of it. But I promise, if we, if we, God has promised that if we simply follow Him by faith and do what He's called us to do and, and follow Him completely in our lives, it'll be the best thing that could ever happen to us. And it will make sense one day when we're in heaven. <clears throat> we think about our lives and, and, and surrendering every single day. I think about how Paul talks about how he dies daily. And we think about every single day we have to make a decision. God, am I going to follow you with my life? Am I going to make my will be in submission to your will or not? Daily, we have to make that decision. We think about Romans 12.1. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You think about that. And after everything that Jesus Christ has done for us, is it really unreasonable that he would want all of us in return? It's not just, uh, it's not just some horrible, awful thing to say, hey, here, God, here's my life. Take it. Use it however you want to. Here am I. Send me. And then God's going to give us some kind of awful, miserable life. No, listen, living a Christian life or living a worldly life, both of them are going to be filled with troubles and trials and tribulations that we're going to go through. But I'd much rather be going through this life with God backing me up and God fighting my battles for me than trying to do it all on my own strength. We have to come to the place where we're willing to sing that song with honesty in our hearts that are all on the altar of sacrifices laid. You know, we sing that a lot, but I think a lot of times we don't really mean it. We are not really thinking that way or acting that way in our heart. That song says that you're all on the altar of sacrifice laid. Your heart does the spirit control. You can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you yield him your body and soul. Tonight, does God have your body and your soul? Does God have your will? Does, does the Holy Spirit dictate the places that you go, the schedule that you set in your life, what you listen to, what you watch, what you do in your life, is it, is it controlled through the Holy Spirit or is it what we want to do? This woman, I picture her just coming and completely surrendering that, again, which was most precious to her. Her most precious possession, her most precious dream, whatever it might be, you can fill in your own self there. Whatever is most precious to you, are you willing to give that to Jesus Christ if he would desire it tonight? Is he worth it? We sing that song again, another song. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. We sing it a lot, but do we mean it? My uh, testimony, I shared it this morning, how, I, uh, again, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, and I uh, got saved when I was about 20 years old, and then started going to church, and started growing in the Lord. Really, I, I think I started going to church just to impress my wife at the beginning, you know, I thought, hey, she, uh, she got me to church, and I'm just going to keep going, you know, because I, I, I kind of like her, and, um, you know, I don't want to lose out on this opportunity. But no, the truth of the matter is, when God changed my heart, there was a hunger inside of me to learn more about God, and I wanted to, to know more about Him. And uh, as I started to grow and we started to go serve in our local church there, uh, you know, we started to get involved in different ministries. And God started to work on my heart 
that he wanted me to be in full-time ministry. And uh, listen, we're all in full-time Christian service, amen? All, all of God's people are in full-time Christian service. We ought to be full-time Christians, every single one of us, amen? But we may or may not all be on a full-time church staff or, or something of that nature. We understand that. But that's what I felt like God was wanting for my life. We had a missions conference when I was about 23 years old, and, and uh, I don't even remember what the message preached was. But at the end of that service, the, the final night, I came down to the altar, and I, I, I surrendered. And I said, God, you can have all of my life. I want to do whatever it is you want me to do. Uh, I, I'll do it. And then I stood back up, and I thought about it for a second, and I thought, well, like, like anything except be a pastor or a missionary or something like that, okay? I can't do that, God. You know, and that was true. I can't do that. But he can. But I didn't realize it at the time. And so as a result, I walked away from God's will for many, many years, trying to do what I thought was best, trying to, trying to live my life. I thought, well, God, I'm going to get a lot of money, and I'm going to give that money back to you. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you do make a lot of money, I hope you give a lot of money to the Lord. But the point was is that that's not what God's will for my life was. And I got to the point, Pastor mentioned it a little bit earlier, how, uh, you know, when I finally surrendered to God's will because I knew I was living in disobedience to what God wanted for my life, and I said, God, I, I'm tired of doing, uh, again, what I mentioned earlier, I'm tired of you have a will for me here, and I'm kind of floating around somewhere down here, and it's never going to reach your perfect will for my life. And I don't want to give up your blessings and, and your perfect will for something that's worth less than that. And when I finally realized that and had enough faith to just step out and, and believe that and act on it, I finally had so much peace in my life because I knew God was in control, not Brendan Morgan. <clears throat> I didn't give up anything to, to go and, and be a missionary. I, I don't... For one, I, I loved the job that I had. It was a great job. It was a lot of money. But I don't say, oh, uh, God, look what I'm giving up for you. No, 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 no. God gives us so much more than what we could ever give him. And it's a privilege and an honor to be able to serve him with our lives. This is, this is the best, uh, uh, since we've started this journey and going on deputation now, going to the mission field, it has been the best uh, experience in our entire lives, and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. So don't, don't uh, pity us or feel bad for us. No, God's taking care of us, and it's not in our hands anymore. It's all in his hands. <clears throat> but God wants a complete surrender, not just a partial surrender. If we're willing to fully surrender to him, any area in our life, he may test us on it. He may really see if we're willing to give it all. I think about Abraham how, uh, you know, God uh, told Abraham to, to get out of his country and go to a land that he will show him. And he just got up and he went by faith, not knowing where he was going to go, but yet just trusting that God would take care of him. Then Abraham, he had his, his son, Isaac, his only son. And, and what did God say? He said, hey, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, and sacrifice him to me. Abraham was willing to have a complete surrender to, of what was most precious to him in his life because he simply believed God. Really, when we boil it down, it comes down to how big is our faith? How much faith are we willing to put in what God says in his word right here? If we're willing to have faith in what he's done for us through for salvation, then it shouldn't really be that hard for us to have faith in everything else that God says too. But it is. I know it is because we all struggle with these things. This woman, she had a complete surrender. We see nextly, number two there, she had a, it was a costly surrender. It was a costly surrender. Look again at verse number three. 
It says, And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. Very precious. Again, as I mentioned earlier, it was about a year's wage there, about 300 pence. And you think about that, you know, you might say something about that person too if they came forward in church one morning and said, Pastor, I'm, giving, uh, I'm, I'm selling my house and I'm giving all of it to the church. Pastor, I'm giving a year's wage to the church. Now, praise the Lord. That'd be great, right? Amen. But some people might stop you and say, like, like, have you thought about this? It's not just a motion, is it? Like, really, is that what God wants you to do? You know? But this was a, something that cost her something. <clears throat> My question tonight is, is Jesus worth the cost of whatever it is that he might want from us? You think about what Jesus did for us. Did he not pay a great price for us by giving his life? Is there any greater price that you could pay for something than your own life itself? But yet Jesus freely gave it to us because he loved us. Are we willing to give him our life, our finances, our will, our dreams, our goals, our desires, our family? Are we willing to give it to him if he would want it? Again, I don't believe that God's going to call us into something and then totally make our life miserable. He may bring us through some trials and some storms to strengthen us and help us. In fact, I promise you he probably will. But that's okay because he's the one that guides it. He's the one that controls it. But are we willing to pay the price after he paid the price for us? I like this quote. I believe it was Martin Luther who said, A religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. You know, it's easy just to, in America, 2022... We don't face a lot of persecution for coming to church and sitting down and here tonight to hear the preacher and to hear the Bible. We're not going to go out of here and have to worry about our lives being in jeopardy. We're not going to worry about our, our, you know, maybe our bank accounts being seized or some persecution coming upon us or our family members. It's not that hard to do those things. But there's places in this world where it costs a great price. I think about how uh, I read a story recently of a missionary who he, uh, he was in Somalia for a while and then he went to uh, China to talk to the Christians over there in China. And the people there in China, they, they, uh, many of them had gone to prison, during the, especially during the thick of the communist time there back in the, you know, the 70s, 80s, 90s, that time period where uh, you were greatly persecuted for being a Christian. And these people, they said, hey, we're willing to go to prison. We're willing our lives be in jeopardy so, because we're not going to denounce our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, they were trying to be smart about it. It's not like they just went and just went out in the open like, here I am, I'm a Christian, take me. But yet they were willing to practice their faith and pay the price because he was worth it. These, uh, this man who was interviewing the people in China, they were saying that uh, many of them would get put in prison. They didn't have, you know, in China, they don't have Bible colleges where they can just go and get a degree. And uh, so they would say to him, uh, prison is basically our seminary. Because in prison, we're in there with other Christians, and we get to learn from the Bible with each other. We get to grow and increase our faith in prison. And prison was almost looked at as like a proving ground to see if you're a real Christian or not. One of these Chinese people who had gone to this American man, of course, being in America, we don't face those kind of persecutions. But he said, even in prison, even through all that persecution, we never gave up our faith in Jesus Christ. We never gave up what it meant to be a Christian. And he told this American man, he said, don't you give up in freedom what we never gave up in persecution. It puts another light on this whole Christian faith. 
So many people in this world today, especially in America, uh, you know, and I believe America is the greatest country on earth. I'm proud and I'm thankful to be an American. But American Christianity, in a lot of ways, has gotten soft over the years. And we get, we get upset when the preacher, you know, says something that we don't like or somebody looks at us the wrong way and we're, you know, uh, willing to just go try to find somewhere else is perfect. I was telling somebody, I think it was you, like, if, if you ever find the perfect church, make sure that you leave it because the moment you start going there, it won't be perfect anymore. You know, we're all sinners, folks. We're all just imperfect sinners trying to serve a perfect Savior. Let's not allow the small things in this life to get us off course for the greater cause of Jesus Christ. I think you have a great church here. I'm excited to be here. I hope you are too. And I believe that God wants to do great things with this church. I believe God wants to do great things in Japan. But there may come a time when we have to pay a price. And are we willing to pay that price, whatever it might be? It may, not, it may be finances. It may be persecution. Are we willing to pay the price for Jesus Christ? This woman, it was a costly surrender for her to give this ointment, but she was willing to pay that cost for her Savior. We ought to learn from her that Jesus is worthy and worth our all. He is precious, and the service and devotion and worship that we pour upon him ought also to be precious. You know, we come to church sometimes and say, the offering plate comes by and, you know, whatever loose change we got in, we put it in. And that's fine. Listen, I'm not trying to get down on anybody for the amount. But is it just something that you do is like, oh, okay. Or is our heart in it? God loveth a cheerful giver. Are we willing to pay that price? I like how David says there in 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24, you know the story how David, he sinned. Uh, when he numbered the people there of Israel and, and then God sent an angel and said there was going to be a punishment and, you know, you choose which one it's going to be. And, and so David chose and that angel came and all those people died. And finally that angel of the Lord stopped there at the threshing floor of Aaron of the Jebusite. And David comes and he wants to buy that threshing floor and, and make an offering. And, and the Jebusite comes and says, hey, David, I will give you it for free. You can take it. And here, there's oxen and sheep. You can offer a sacrifice unto God. And David said this, Second Samuel 24, 24, says, nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor in the auction for 50 shekels of silver. David said, hey, if it's going to mean something to God, it's going to have to cost me something. But again, I think Jesus Christ is worthy of the cost, isn't he? He's given us so much more than what we could ever give him. And the good thing about it is, you know, there's a promise in the Bible, Luke 6, uh, uh, 38, I believe, give and it shall be given unto you. God is always going to give back to us one way or another if we'll give to him. But see, the order is first you give and then God gives back. That's a whole other topic here tonight, but this woman was willing to pay the cost. It's going to cost us to go to Japan. But I think getting the gospel to Japan is worth the cost. It's going to cost any other missionary that you might see to bring the gospel to that country, but it's worth the cost, isn't it? Aren't you glad that somebody paid the cost somewhere along the way so that somebody could get to the place they needed to get to get the gospel to somebody who eventually got the gospel to you and to me? I love that quote by Jim Elliott. You know, that he's the missionary that went to the, the Indians there in Ecuador who was killed by those Indians. And then later on, his wife and others came back and were able to lead those same Indians to Christ that killed their husbands. But he said this, he said, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep 
to gain what he cannot lose. Whatever we get on this earth, monetarily speaking or material speaking, it's all going to stay here. We're not taking any of it with us. So we might as well use what God has given us to serve him with our lives so others can come to know the same joys and blessings that we know as well. We see, nextly, that it was a criticized surrender. Number three there, it was a criticized surrender. Verse number four says, Mark 14, verse four says, And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. Boy, there's always going to be somebody that criticizes something when we try to do something for Jesus Christ, isn't there? Man, we try to, we get excited and say, hey, we're excited about this program. We're going to get out there and get a bunch of people to come into church and hear the gospel. And then you always got somebody to be like, well, what about, you know, this? You sure? Hey, and I'm not saying there's not valid concerns with things, but it's really easy to criticize, isn't it? It's really easy to look for faults. Hey, don't be the kind of person that's always looking for the negative. Be the kind of person that is looking for the positive. This woman, she was criticized because she was wanting to give an offering. She didn't care what the price was. She was willing to completely surrender no matter what the cost was. And then she had people come and criticize her. You know, when you really sell out, and maybe some of you tonight, maybe you've experienced this, when you really just get a burden and a passion for uh, living for God, and man, you're here tonight on a Sunday night, and then, man, you go to church maybe even on a Wednesday night. You go, to, uh, you go out and, like, knock on other people's doors and tell them about Jesus? Are you like a weirdo or something? You know, I remember I had a friend who uh, he, he, he uh, started to come to church. And uh, he was, I was fairly, I'd only been in the church about three years. So, you know, I was, like, super Christian already, right? And... Uh, you know, no, I was still growing in the Lord, but this guy came in and he was brand new Christian and he was trying to grow in the Lord. And so me and some other people in the church, we, we, uh, we tried to always get together with them and maybe go out and grab some coffee or some food, go into each other's houses, really try to fellowship with them to, to get them locked in just because we wanted to see them grow and they had a passion and a desire to serve God. And, and so we were doing these things and, and, uh, I'll never forget because he started to really grow in the Lord and to get on fire and to uh, just just really give his life to Jesus Christ. And it was exciting to see. He had family members that told him, hey, uh, you know, you're just a little too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. <clears throat> you never heard that before? And I'd rather be I'd rather be too heavenly minded to be any earthly good than to be too earthly minded to be any heavenly good. Amen. But this man, he started to grow in the Lord and uh, really get on fire and you know, it was, uh, at first, I was like the guy who was helping him, and I was, I was like the mentor, I guess, if you will. And Then this guy started to surpass me. He started to, you know, do more. Now, in my heart, I was thinking, uh, I wonder, you know, if this is really real, if he's really going to keep going. Uh, I, I, I don't know if, he's, if his heart is all the way in it. Maybe it's just for show. And I started to get a critical spirit towards him. You know Why? Because his surrender was shining a light on my lack of surrender. And I was, yeah, I was jealous. I was jealous of him. God helped me for having that spirit towards this man. He was nothing but genuine and wanting to serve God with his life. You know, when I finally got right with, with God and I said, I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus Christ, I was no longer jealous of this man. 
He still to this day is probably a far greater Christian than I am. But I couldn't be any happier of him, the fact that I get to call him my friend, because we're in this together. We're soldiers together in the same army fighting the same enemy for the same cause and the same purpose. You know, let's not be the kind of soldiers that shoot our fellow soldiers in the back, amen? We're here to lift each other up and support and to push on and to keep on going, to fight the good fight like Paul talks about. But mark it down, there's going to be people that criticize us when we try to do something for God. I remember when I started telling people I was going to go to Japan to be a missionary. I had a man in our church, and uh, he knew the job that I had. He says, what about, what about your job? Why don't you wait till you can retire? You, you're going to have a good retirement plan, and then you can go. Or, or you know, there's some people, people say, uh, uh, you know, why don't you let one of these young people go? Family members that say, why would you go and, and, and take all of your children? What about your children? You're going to take them to some other country. Even other Christians might criticize us when we decide to do something for God. Are we willing to face that criticism? Are we willing to let that stop us from what God might want us to do in our life? I think this woman, as she came forward, she didn't care about what uh, the cost was. She didn't care about what people were saying about her. Her eyes were simply fixed on her Savior. And she wanted to do the best that she could for Him. It was a criticized surrender. Lastly tonight, we see that it was a commemorated surrender. Verse number 6 says, And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. We think about that, and tonight that prophecy is fulfilled as we read about this woman here in Scripture. Her name is forever written down for all ages, for all eternity, because of the sacrifice that she made. I think... God gives us this in the the Scripture so that we can have a daily reminder that we too ought to give our all as much as we can every single day for our Savior. Now, our names aren't going to be written in the Bible. That's already done. But there will be a remembrance someday. When we stand before Jesus Christ in the judgment seat of Christ and we are judged for the things that we did for our Savior with what He gave to us, there will be a remembrance. Hey, hey, remember when I gave you that opportunity? Hey, remember when I... Allowed that person to come along your way to share the gospel with them? Hey, remember when I moved on your heart to give that amount for that offering? Remember when I worked on your heart to surrender your life to this area of service? What did we do with it? And there will be a remembrance someday. I don't know about you, but I would like to be like this woman where Jesus Christ looked at her and said, she had done what she could. She had done what she could. Brendan Morgan, he hath done what he could. Well done, now good and faithful servant. Did we do perfect? No. We're all sinners. But by God's grace, if we're willing to give completely of ourselves, if we're willing to pay the cost, whatever it might be, if we're willing to not let the criticism stop us, we can stand before God someday. And when we're judged for those things that we do, we'll hear those words, well done, now good and faithful servant. What a joy that will be someday.
What a joy it is that we can see all the people that got to know about Jesus Christ as their Savior because of what God did in our lives. People that we'll never even know until we get to heaven someday, but they'll come up and say, thank you for giving to that missionary. I know that sounds selfish right now. Thank you for going and telling that person. Thank you for giving your life in this area. Because of that, I got saved. And I'm here today because of you. This woman's surrender will be forever remembered. And likewise, we ought to use it as a memorial of what Christ has done for us to cause us to want to surrender all we can to him as well. I'll close with this here tonight. You know the missionary David Livingston to Africa, and he said this quote. He said, people talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Can that be called a sacrifice, which is simply acknowledging a great debt we owe to our God, which we can never repay? Is that a sacrifice which brings its own reward in healthful activity, the consciousness of doing good, peace of mind, and a bright hope of a glorious destiny? It is emphatically no sacrifice. Rather, it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, danger, foregoing the common conveniences of this life, these may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and the soul to sink, But let this only be for a moment. All these are nothing compared with the glory which shall later be revealed in and through us. I never made a sacrifice. Of this we ought not to talk when we remember the great sacrifice which he made who left his father's throne on high to give himself for us. What will be said about you someday in heaven? What will be said about me? Will it be said that we gave our all? That we did all that we could with what was given to us. I love that little poem. After all he's done for me, after all he's done for me, how can I do less than give him my best after all he's done for me? He's worth the cost, amen? He's worth whatever it is that he might want. Let's all strive to be like this woman, to give our best and our all to our Savior for his glory, amen? Dear God, thank you so much for this message here tonight. Thank you for how your word can work upon our hearts. Lord, I don't know what everyone here tonight is facing and what they're struggling. God, I don't know maybe if you're speaking to somebody's heart tonight about some area, Father. Maybe they're worried about what might happen if they were to give what it is that you would want in their life, God. Lord, I pray that you would just help them to realize, Lord, you will always take care of us. Lord, when we Seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. Lord, all the things that we need will always be added to us. Help us to be willing to give of ourselves, not grudgingly or or of necessity, Lord, but with a cheerful heart, knowing that, Lord, you can do great things through each and every one of us if we'll simply be willing to surrender our lives, our time, our money, our talents, all to you, God. I pray you'd use this church tonight. Use each and every one here in a special way, Father, so that your glory could be known all throughout this world, including right here in Connecticut, Father. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.